are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird. We are back in the studio after the long 4th of July extended weekend. Uh, With 4th of July falling on a Tuesday, it's kind of an awkward day, but uh, we were able to have Monday and Tuesday off and so uh, we were again just able to have a couple of days off not be in the studio of course we didn't have any of our local shows but everybody is back today on this Wednesday afternoon you just had the max roundtable you've got us and you got the drive coming up later this afternoon so we are back to finish out the week I hope you all had a great 4th of July uh, celebrating however you did I saw uh, so many people out on the water this weekend and, and celebrating I worked this week that's what I did I worked all weekend uh, with our fireworks store, but hey, it was another successful season, uh, and so it was awesome. It was a lot of fun, and so uh, Carter, happy Wednesday, we made man! Go boom! Yeah, we we yeah, we did. We we helped a lot of people make things go boom. Uh, we we helped people light up the sky. Whether you like fireworks or not, whatever. But in my opinion, and yes, I'm very biased. It's the Fourth of July. Fourth of July. It's one or two days where the fireworks go off, and then you're done. Yeah, my uh, dog. He doesn't. He didn't love his first true experience with fireworks. <laughs> oh, the new puppy, huh? Yeah, he just thought he thought everything. He didn't know why there were so many repetitive booming noises coming outside. <laughs> like he was he was outside going to the bathroom, and as soon as he like finished his business, just boom, 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 and just took off running inside. That would be a really that would be a jarring experience as a new puppy in this world. You're like, what in the world is that? Okay, That's the sound of freedom. (laughs) (laughs) Says Lance Dahl, (laughs) host of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily. uh, So, I don't know if you noticed this, on Twitter yesterday, Benadryl was trending on Twitter. And you want to know why? Because apparently everybody in America just slips their dogs Benadryl in their food so they just are calm and go to sleep during the fireworks. Is that safe? Is that ethical? I don't know. Uh, ethical, probably <laughs> not. Now, I do know that uh, for was, dogs, they make like... one where somebody had cut out a sliver in a giant carrot and put like nine Benadryl in it and <laughs> fed it to their horse. <laughs> oh you just walk outside and the horse is passed out in the pasture because you gave it Benadryl. Top five ways to enjoy your 4th of July. Number three, horse sedation. <laughs> well, hopefully nobody on here or listening sedated any dogs or horses this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, but hope you all had a good 4th of July. Lance Dahl joining us in studio, host of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily. Good to have you back in the studio, man. How was your 4th of July? Any Did you put down any animals this weekend or no no uh i it, it was fun it was fun went out uh hung out with my parents uh with some different friends uh, of the family ate a lot of food yesterday it, it was nice and then came back to auburn and enjoyed the uh the fireworks show last night it was very nice very pretty got a lot of videos from that 
Um, made a few uh, glow stick crowns last night as well, so it was it was a good time. The inner child time. always comes out on the 4th of July. Yeah, I see the glow sticks. It's just like I have to commit. It's <laughs> happening. It's happening. There are several decorations that I'm making. Well, so, yeah. we uh, are, are we were grateful for a couple of days off. We are glad to be back in the studio. Seems like it's been way too long. So much to talk about today here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Yesterday, Auburn football uh, not only probably saw some fireworks somewhere out on the water, but also saw some fireworks works on the recruiting trail they pick up a commitment yesterday for uh, independence day so we'll talk about that coming up in just a few minutes we also have question of the day coming off the long weekend there's a lot of things that happened in the world of sports guys we'll talk about the best and worst things we saw in sports from over the weekend uh, espn also released their way too early top 25 for college basketball one team that was out of it before is back in has some relevancy to mr lance Dahl, and the team that's still getting disrespected yeah it's auburn we'll talk talk about why that is coming up later today then schedule game coming up in hour number two with Lance we'll talk about Vanderbilt and Texas A&M today so excited to talk about those two teams and predict their conference schedule and their predict their records for 2023 so that's all coming up here on the Wednesday edition of on the line uh, we'd love to hear from you on the phone lines 334-321-1390 let's get into it gentlemen Auburn football yesterday lands the commitment another one in the 2024 class class on the 4th of July D'Angelo Barber aka DJ Barber the three-star linebacker from Clay Chalkville High School an in-state commit once again for Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff another a really good recruit I think just a solid pickup for Auburn as an in-state linebacker from Clay Chalkville and I think that the sales pitch that you have to make on a guy like DJ Barber who if you don't know is I believe rated outside of rivals as a three-star he's not a consensus three-star prospect I believe rivals has him as a four-star I need to go need to go check that but three-star prospect according to the 24-7 sports composite rankings and I again I think the sales pitch is with a lower rated guy like this is that we've seen Auburn in the past when it comes to their secondary and their linebacking core they've made guys like this not just work but work really really well and Barber another like you mentioned in-state product I think that Auburn can really work with here Josh Aldridge getting a, a nice pickup uh, during 4th of July I'm excited about this guy just simply because of the fact that scar- stars don't scare me when it comes to this linebacking core for the Tigers also size doesn't scare me I like the size though at six feet 221 pounds I'm excited to see what this guy brings to this group uh, in the coming years because I believe that Auburn can get just about anything out of a guy like this, especially one coming from in the state. I mean, I think he's very close to achieving that four-star status. I mm-hmm. mean, you look at where he's ranked nationally, 492. He's not that far in the 247 composite from being uh, a four-star. And yet he is a, a four-star on Rivals, uh, three-star on the other th- other three services. What really drags him down is that ESPN rating that looks uh, pretty low. They in don't comparison. know anything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, except for except for basketball, where I think what ESPN's got Tahad Pettiford is like the 13th player in the country. They know ball there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think th- this is a great pickup. Um, Strength and ties to a school in in state that mm-hmm. puts out a lot of talent. Um, They've got some other talented players at that school right now this year. I mean, Which he talked about. Jalen Mbakwe, uh, Mario Craver. Uh, you've also got the Jaquan McRoy, the ginormous offensive tackle. He is massive. Um, 
I don't, I'm not sure if Auburn is going to land anybody else from that high school, but I think mm-hmm. that this is a great addition to that linebacker's room that by the end of the month could be rather stout. Well, Clay Jockville is interesting because that's actually right where uh, my parents are. They're in, they're in the Clay Trustful area. So you've got Clay Jockville and you have Hewitt Trustful. And uh, we have uh, friends that teach at, at Clay Jockville. And Hugh Freeze and the staff have been there multiple times and, and visited oh, yeah. all of these kids at Clay Jockville High School. And so uh, in, in that area, we know the Birmingham area is just so big, so stacked with so many big schools. But Guys like Hugh Freeze and Josh Aldridge have been to Clay Chalkville High School, and I think that's why you see a guy like DJ Barber, who, yes, like you boys just mentioned, three-star, could get that four-star um, near the end, but this is an in-state guy. And how many times, you know, of these guys on this 2024 class that are in-state or the guys that Auburn's going after that are in-state, we talk about how important that is and mm-hmm. how big that truly is because for so long – if Nick Saban and Alabama wanted a guy in the state of Alabama, they went to Tuscaloosa. They just did. And now, not that DJ Barber's just the biggest, best thing you're ever going to see. I think he has a lot of potential, and I don't mean that against him in any way. But this is a good get for Auburn in the state of Alabama from a school, like Carter just mentioned, that has guys that are bigger stars than him, higher rated than him, and will continue to produce talent. And so if you can pull a guy from up there and he comes and has any sort of success at Auburn, you almost build that channel from Auburn, Alabama to Clay Chalkville High School. You mentioned the the recent history here with high-profile guys making their way over to Tuscaloosa. You have to look at this guy's offer list if you really want to get an idea as to how uh, the potential could pan out here. Alabama was pursuing him. Arkansas was pursuing him. I believe it's eight SEC schools that offered him, not including Kentucky, Louisville. You've got uh, you've got UAB, UCF, two other solid programs. I think here in the area that are are pursuing him as well. This is a very solid interest list, and uh, and if I'm not mistaken, Alabama and Oklahoma were two schools that were interested in him, and I understand some people out there may say, oh, well, we weren't interested in him. We weren't interested in the three-star linebacker, and the truth is, whenever you hear things like that, it's really difficult to say that with confidence because we're not in these meetings, right? We're not, I believe this is something that Josh Pate talked about recently. We're not in here with these coaching staffs day in and day out talking about who they're pursuing, who they want, who they don't, what their lists look like, you know, the relationships that they have with these kids. Alabama was in the mix for this kid, and Auburn was able to pull him away and keep him uh, over here on the Plains. And so I'm excited just based off of that, based off the fact that I know what Auburn's track record here is with linebackers of this nature. There is potential for this to pan out to be a really solid, uh, really solid pickup for the Tigers in the future. By the way, that Clay roster this next year, um, and I don't know if some of them aren't ranked in the player rankings for the state of Alabama on 247, but just glancing at it, three three stars, a couple four stars, and a five star. Uh, they've got a couple, or they got an Alabama commit, an Auburn commit, and an Oregon commit because that's mm. where McRoy's going. Mm, which yeah. I don't think I recalled him committing there. I but, saw this a few days ago, and I was just like, I guess Dan Lanning's just you know finding finding the guys in Bama. Six eight three sixty five. That's a large man. That's a is, massive. Yep. Yes. Well, one thing I think that is important to note uh, about DJ Barber committing to Auburn in twenty twenty four. You go back to twenty twenty three. Auburn did not sign a high school linebacker in 2023, and they're already jumping on it in 24, expected to get three or four in the 24 class at the linebacker spot. I mean, right now you've got, what, two? 
Yeah. I mean, depending on where you put Joe Phillips, Joe mm-hmm. Phillips could play that Jack position. You know you've got DJ Barber. Bradley Shaw is still out there. Uh, Demarcus Riddick, we know Auburn's picking up steam with yep. him, which five-star linebacker. Which to Barber Georgia. said he's going to try and help them lock mm-hmm. in Demarcus Riddick and them obviously being Auburn. And then you've got Wyatt, Wyatt Simmons, the Arkansas linebacker. By the end of this month, you could have four linebacker commits and Joe Phillips as your jack in this class, as your high-level jack, I think. Uh, I mean... Sure, if you wanted to play him at linebacker too, you could have potentially five linebackers in this class. What a step up that would be. I mean, what an upgrade that would be. Josh Aldridge, it was a little slow when he first got to campus, and it was a little worrying. But with what he did, especially uh, in the portal, in the back half of the first portal window, Mm -hmm. and then in the second portal window, and what he's doing to start this class, he's got a claim to me for uh, most impressive position coach of this short tenure of this staff. he I mean, it's it's things break Auburn's way. He could have a five-star, a couple four-stars, and a couple high-level three-stars that, uh, that could be four-stars here soon, all on board in the linebacker room. And, like, you, you look at the offensive line, there's nobody yet. You look at the defensive line, there's nobody yet. I mean, to go ahead and shore up the entire linebacker position, well, then then maybe Josh Aldridge, this X-Factor recruiter, apparently, maybe he can start helping out with Jeremy Garrett on the defensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, send him send him when you go and, and recruit a defensive line or you go and you're even in the, in the room of a safety or a corner. Like, somebody on the defensive side of the football, a guy like Aldridge who has proven to be that good of a recruiter, it can't hurt to send him on the visit if you're in for a guy like that. Yep, I, I, and I, I hate to. I did this last time. I'm going to try and play a little bit of devil's advocate here. This is what I. This is what I fear about Auburn football and their recruiting. And this is kind of what happened. Actually, this is what happened during the Brian Harson era. Is that we would get our hopes up over not even like five star guys. We would get our hopes up over prospects that Auburn should be able to land, and then they would just be gone. With Aldridge, what happens here? If he does not end up getting the guys that we think Auburn has a chance with, what is what? Where do you go? What does Auburn do th- in that situation? Yeah, I, I I really don't know. I think Auburn's in. I think Auburn lands at least one of Sean Riddick, and I like to in think my mind so. yeah. at, at this point in time. And the fact that you're as far got, that you are with those guys gives me confidence in that as well. I yeah. think you've got a good shot to land both. I think you're out in front on White Simmons, and so I've I. Yeah, could you, worst case scenario, you land one of the three, I mean, mm-hmm. which I don't really see happening. Uh, yeah, it would be tough. It'd be a blow. I just really... But with, with with what he did in the portal, I don't, like, that. that's kind of my thing. You saw some people panicking about Cam Coleman. I'm sure we're going to talk about yep. him mm-hmm. here in a bit. You, we, you've seen some people panicking about defensive line and offensive line and... Uh, the, the the kid that committed to Stanford, Khalil House, that everybody thought was going to come to Auburn, and then he went on his visit to Stanford. I'm not sold that a kid from inside the state of Alabama is going to, or Georgia, whichever state he's from, is going to go all that far across the country and play for a right now really, really bad football program in Stanford. 
Could he? Sure. I don't think there's any reason to panic with what the staff has shown it can do in the portal. And if they have to dip into the, into the portal for another year, that's perfectly they're going to do it. Like, yeah. That's almost expected. They're going to yeah. go get 15 guys in the portal regardless. If they push it closer to 20, okay. I don't think that, that drastically well, changes things. Here, mm-hmm. Here's my, my hope, is that whenever things go wrong for this staff in recruiting, and at some point they will, it's not going to be all roses and rainbows from here on out. We've already seen Auburn, uh, Cam Coleman, Khalil House, different guys go different places. I hope that this coaching staff just doesn't say, all right, didn't get the guy. I guess we're just not going to have a player at that position. They have to have backup plans, so to right. speak. They have to have guys that they that was, go out and pick up. So. And I think they will. And that's, that's what I was between Hugh Freeze, Brian Hart. That's exactly right. That's what I was going to say. Is the the difference in this time last year when Brian Harson and Auburn would pick up a three star is we were having to it, look I was having to I know Carter wasn't quite here yet, but just anybody in the Auburn media the Auburn world was having to talk about a single three-star recruit as that's the best thing we can get because that's all Brian Harson would go after because he wasn't going after five stars and four stars in the state of Alabama so anytime Auburn actually picked up a recruit and a commit it was a freaking miracle or, <laughs> like it was an actual miracle this time last year or they just straight up weren't going after anybody right because I think back to before this past season, there were no names coming in the door on the offensive line Mm -hmm. at all, at all. And you had a bunch of guys who technically had that COVID year of eligibility left. And the, the collective, out of pure necessity, had to go lock down those guys. And I think it created this false narrative that was, well, if... If the collective didn't lock all those guys down and bring them back, this offensive line, you could land some guys in the portal. You could land some high school guys. That's not the way that went. Right. The, it went that there was nobody coming in. Mm-hmm. There was no leads of anybody. And then you were able to kind of salvage it. And it wasn't, it wasn't good. Let, let's not kid ourselves. But this staff is already executing their plan much better than the last staff. I want to continue this conversation when we come back because I think it's an interesting path that we're going down. 334-321-1390. More Auburn football recruiting, comparing and contrasting what was and what is now when it comes to Auburn football recruiting. We'll be right back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, talking Auburn football recruiting, and it seems like every time Hugh Freeze and this staff pick up another recruit, we always just want to compare and go back to the dark, dark days of a year ago to what we're seeing right now. and. Yeah. And and again, I think Lance brought up an interesting point and we started talking about that. The difference this year in this three-star recruit and this commit of DJ Barber, the linebacker from Clay Chalkville High School, the difference is Auburn went and got an in-state kid to commit. He And he got Hugh Freeze and, and the staff went and got somebody to commit. He didn't just want to play at Auburn and just decide, eh, I'll go to Auburn, sure, like we saw this time last year. And we're not having to take a three-star linebacker who has a potential to get to a four-star commit. 
We're not having to take him and be like, okay, this is why he is the focal point of this recruiting class. That's just not true. And and I think it's a refreshing conversation for us to sit here and have. And I hope it's a refreshing conversation for our listeners to be hearing because you can talk about these guys and you can talk about their actual role in this 2024 class or 2025 and beyond. And you can start to build, almost build a... I don't even know what I'm looking for. Almost build like a what-if scenario of what this recruit could be, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think DJ Barber could be really good at Auburn. I really do. And I think if he can come in the door and develop behind some already good linebackers that are there, if you continue to pick up some big linebackers in recruiting, and if you have to dip into the portal like you guys mentioned as well, he has a chance to be a stud. He really, really does. And so uh, I'm just I'm glad that we can talk about him as a good piece another commit for Auburn you get the numbers up right Auburn fans love to see that the more commits the better and 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 I'm glad we can sit here and talk about DJ Barber as he committed on the 4th of July as a significant piece to this Auburn recruiting class yeah I think that this is a great addition to this class this Auburn class that is continuing to build out continuing to uh take shape and I think this month is a big big month for Auburn uh, you're now sitting at nine commits. It's not the highest rated class of all time. Frankly, I don't exactly understand how there's such a drastic difference between like on three and two, four, seven about where this class is ranked because mm-hmm. it's preposterous. Because on two, four, seven, this class is ranked 48th. On, on three, it's ranked. 21st 14th out of 15 sec schools by the way i don't know why 24 7 doesn't have texas in the sec on their page but they've got oklahoma that's funny i (laughs) did not i did not Uh, i haven't noticed that that. okay that's well (laughs) maybe there's maybe they're telling us something maybe 247 knows something that we don't you know you never know but Something else I also want to point out here, you're talking about how drastically different these classes are. I still think it's fair to point out Auburn may be low, I think, right now because they only have nine commitments. But according to 24-7, in terms of average player ranking, I just went and counted it up. It's it's third best in the SEC or fourth best in the SEC, rather, out, out, out of 15 different schools. So, I, I mean, Auburn has to be happy with the the caliber of player that they're picking up right now just needs to be more here. And I think I think we'll see yeah, that. And then to, to your point earlier, Jacob, this may not be a very uh, lengthy recruiting class. It could be another year where Hugh Freeze has to dip into the portal a little bit more than Auburn will in coming years, and that's perfectly fine, I think. In I, year two, absolutely. Yeah, I think they're going to get above 20, but I don't think it's going to be very many. Above 20 points. commits or above yes. 20 in the rankings? 20, 20 commits, gotcha. and I think... They're still going to be good enough to finish in the top 15, yeah. probably right around that 10th mm-hmm. spot, I think. Because, look, let, let, let's say Auburn gets the five-star receiver and then another five-star player. They're going to be inside the top 20, even if they only have 20 commits. I think. I would like to think. So I will, I'll say this as well. Florida's class, it's awesome. It is. Yeah, it is. Let's talk in December. When they're coming off a four and eight, five and seven season, and their coach is possibly fired, there are some people that I've talked to that are like, "Oh, like there's no way they fire him." I'm like, if they don't get to a bowl game, 
I don't I don't see how they bring him back. Yeah, it it, like, it would be really tough. I, I think I don't know. You man. can only sell the future so long and have things get worse and worse and worse in the interim. Right, but I still somebody moves on you. I still believe you got to give a guy a chance. And especially in college football today where you have so many options where the transfer portal is so big now. 3 years you got I still believe you got to give somebody 3 years. Unless the first two are just if. absolute disasters, which it very well could be for Billy Napier in Gainesville. It very well could be. If you have an under, if you are under 500 at the end of 2 years at Florida, especially when Dan Mullen didn't sniff below 500 really at Florida. He didn't. Which like is fair. he had some bad teams, but yet when you look at the totality of his tenure, they were okay. Yeah. And like like a place like Florida you, is different. Florida should never should never not go to a bowl game. They should always be at at least six wins. Really, your floor should be seven and five in a disaster year. I'm with and you. They're on. They're going to be on a path this year where they're about to have their second year below that. Florida's not on the schedule game today, but I am excited for when that comes up. We'll talk some college basketball in the way too early top 25 in the SEC schools when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Carter Bird. We're joined by Lance Dahl in studio of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily. Plug everything you got going on, Lance. We appreciate you as always joining us. Uh, you're here all show long, so we're excited for that. But plug everything you got going on and where people can find you, man. Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. You can check out AuburnDaily.com where all my written work is. You can also check out the Locked On Kentucky podcast. That's wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate it, anybody out there. If you're, if you're listening, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. I would really appreciate that a lot. Well, speaking of Kentucky, want to talk some college basketball because uh, ESPN updated their way too early top 25. And they did this in uh, kind of mid to late June. And then uh, in that one, Kentucky was not in the top 25, in any top 25, to what seemed to be a very, very long time because we knew that that team had seven players on the roster and had no idea if Antonio Reeves or, or Bradshaw or whatever was going to happen with that team. Who was going to be playing in the blue and white for Kentucky over the last couple of weeks? I think some of those questions have been answered. Kentucky is back in the way too early top 25. So I want to go through and look at some of these teams, including where Auburn is. And just to let you know, they're not in the top 25, which is ridiculous. And and I'm just going to let people keep sleeping on Auburn basketball and just let them shock the world when they hit the floor because of the talent on that team. But looking at this top 25, we'll kind of break it down a little bit, guys, here. Just looking at, uh, again, this is the ESPN way too early top 25 for college basketball. Kansas, number one. No shock there. Uh, they return some of the most talent in all of college basketball. Duke at number two, Purdue at number three, Michigan State four, UConn at five, Tennessee, the first SEC squad, is at six. Uh, they are, look, we know they're talented. Uh, they have, uh, you know, decide Jordan James coming back. Now, the one thing about Tennessee is when does Zakai Ziegler come back? When is the timeline for him? Do you rush him back before SEC play? Or do you kind of let January get here for him to come back? 
Lance, I think if you're Tennessee, the smart thing to do coming off of that nasty injury, you got to wait until conference play, I think. The timeline just sets up for him to come back mid-January, in my opinion, just to be safe. And, and I want to take a look here quickly at Tennessee's non-con slate. It, it, well, not, I'm, let me rephrase. We can't take a look at Tennessee's non-con slate because they haven't said anything out. So, like, obviously there are going to be some big-time matchups. But, like, at the end, of the end of the day, even if there are games where I think Tennessee feels like, oh, we could really use, you know, everybody at, at, their, at their peak – you're not going to, I think, value that over what SEC play is going to bring you this upcoming season. And this is something I think that we talked about when we discussed the SEC Big 12 Challenge. These non-con games that Tennessee could be playing against, like a Gonzaga or a team like North Carolina, who they're going to be playing in the SEC-ACC Challenge, those games earlier on in the season mean so much less than a February game against a top-half team in the SEC because of what their resume could bring you because of what that quad one victory could mean to your team later Bingo. on. Bingo. That is spot on. Spot on. He's 100% right. And that's what yeah. I've said, too, is non-conference games in November, December, it's not that they don't matter, but what are we discussing every time the middle of March rolls around on Selection Sunday? We're talking about those big conference wins, right? Nobody cares that you beat Gonzaga in November. Nobody cares that you beat North Carolina or Duke in December. Like, it doesn't matter because that team that played you in December is not the same team that's playing in March. And guess what? You're not the same team that you were in November, December that you are in March. And so... I'm 100% with you, and I think that's why when you look at Tennessee basketball being number six on this way-too-early top 25, yes, they're good, but Zakai Ziegler is the, is the foundational piece of that basketball team. And if Tennessee is smart, they'll wait till January and conference play rolls around to bring him back. It's looking like right now, and I'm just going to Tennessee's website, the only big game that they have is against Wisconsin, and I think that might actually be their season opener. And, and again, it, there's just where, no Where reason. are they playing that? I, I, I'm, Tennessee's website is not being very user-friendly right now. <laughs> if actually, if you go to the schedule on on my end, literally nothing pulls up. It's just empty. Well, let's go the back way. If you, if let's you, go through Wisconsin's schedule. Go, let's go through Wisconsin's website. If you go to the men's basketball tab on their website, at Wisconsin. Oh, they're playing at Wisconsin. Ooh, okay. All right. Wow. Okay. That's even, fun. Even that is still, fun. how much does that does that game matter to you in relation to getting Ziegler back for? There's no late way he plays slate. in that game. There's yeah. no way he plays in that game, and that's a Wisconsin team that, uh, because of the Kentucky Wildcats, moved up into this way too early top twenty-five. <laughs> Wisconsin got bumped to twenty-six. So. Uh, they're going to be a solid team. They are. Solid they should team. be. They're consistently decent, but I don't know how much. Hang I the think, banner. Consistently decent. I think that Wisconsin. <laughs> I think that 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 Wisconsin game for Tennessee without Ziegler is perfectly fine. I think that they will be fine. I think hmm. that that. I think. I mean, they're going to be fine. But again, it's November. Who cares? It's November. Yeah. And, and and with an injury like Ziegler had, rushing somebody back is just such a bad idea because it's so easy to injure yourself again. Tennessee's got more interesting games on this schedule than I think I've realized. They're Wisconsin in the opener, the Maui Invitational, the Maui Invitational a week later. Then they're Illinois. at UNC, Illinois at home. Uh, NC State and San Antonio. That's a weird one. Th- that's a really random one. Say, hey, we're like, what? Those schools can't be more than two and a half, three hours apart. And they're like, let's go halfway across the country and play this game. Is that like that a little tournament sense. or something? 
gotta be the Hall of Fame San Antonio. Whatever. Hmm. It literally just says Hall of, Hall of Fame San Antonio Barclay's on the website. favorite city. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that, very, very true. Uh, you, you look down the rest of this way too early top 25. Houston at 7. Uh, Gonzaga at 8. Cool. Florida Atlantic at 9. Okay. I, I mean, I get it, but I just don't know what that team's going to look like. Uh, Marquette at 10. Arizona at 11. Uh, you have uh, San Diego State at 12. Creighton at 13. The next SEC squad is Arkansas at 14, right above North Carolina at 15. Look, Arkansas's talented. Man, they are really, really talented. They've got a couple of big transfers. You have Khalif Battle from uh, from Temple, who averaged almost 18 points a game. You have uh, Tremont Mark, who was averaging 10 points a game at Houston. And then who torched Auburn mm-hmm. because he got matched up with Wendell Green and said, I'm eight inches taller than you, and I'm just going to shoot over you from the mid-range all game long. Yep, and, and look, I think that... I think Arkansas is really talented and will be in the mix to win the SEC this year in college basketball. I really do. I just I, think Muss is too my, good of a coach. My question is shooting from, from deep. Mm-hmm. They weren't a good three-point shooting team last year. You lost some very talented players. How do you respond going into this next season? North Carolina at 15, Villanova 16. Lance will get you to talk about this one. Kentucky creeps their way back into the way too early top 25 after I mentioned earlier some um, I mean, some good news for the Wildcats. From outside the top 25 to 17, that's, that's not it's, quite it's, creeping. That's, yeah, that's, that's kicking the door in. Yeah, that's what I wanted to start this <laughs> off with is, is Kentucky bouncing back in, not just like, oh, we're at 22-23. Let's just put them borderline outside the top 15 after they get a couple pieces and You're kind of figure a sweet out the 16 roster. team right now, Dude, Lance. I would love to be a sweet 16 team. <laughs> that would mean the world to me. Before I dive into Kentucky, I just want to very briefly say about Florida Atlantic, they were 10-2 and two in games decided by five points or less last season. Do we really expect them to do that in the regular season again this year? I understand that it's a very talented team. I just don't know if it's preseason top 10 ranking. I mean, sure, it's pre- it preseason. It's the projection out i just don't know if it's a i don't know if it's a top 10 team but wait which which one was this florida Florida atlantic Atlantic. yeah i think i think they're that high because the entire team comes back too like they lost zero players yep and the whole team is back on a final four team and again i I just want to it's not a bad team but what i'm saying is for them to win have won that many close games Mm -hmm. in the regular season last year that's fair do we expect him to replicate a 30 win season and then do what they did again which is so difficult to do in the tournament i bet you they they win 30 games again because everybody's back i don't think that i'm not that conference is not i'm not like hating on florida atlantic but i would put like one dollar down on them winning less than 30 (laughs) friendly wager you have an issue with that I have an issue with number three in the country because ain't no way Purdue's going to be a top three Dude, team yes. with with the way that a fairly Dickinson, a school that I didn't know was real, dismantled them. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, I understand Edie's good, guys, but let's be honest. Like, if you can dismantle Purdue in, in different ways. It's it's we've come to realize, regardless of how many freaking Carol- or California Red Oaks they've got down there, down low, it does not matter. It does not matter. They will and they give did not way. add anybody that's like, oh, that's gonna be what mm-hmm. what pushes them over the top and makes them a really high level competitor. I don't see that. And Purdue will always blow it in March. Yep. They will always lose in March. So let's talk about the team that did add pieces that's going to bring in the national title, Kentucky. So you're <laughs> looking at this recruiting class, right? The five stars that they brought in. Reed Shepard, the four, lone four-star. I did an episode recently about him. I think that he's very underrated and he's playing very good in practice right now. 
uh, for Kentucky. They've brought in Trey Mitchell. They've brought in, uh, they, well, they've gotten the commitment of Samto Cyril for next season. They brought in Joey Hart. They brought in jo- uh, Jordan Burks. They've gotten these pieces now, gotten some momentum on the recruiting trail. And when you look at that, you've got Antonio Reeves coming back. I don't even think we talked about that last week, Jacob, about Antonio Reeves coming back for this program. That is huge. What does that mean for Kentucky? Well, that's just, that's huge for not only Kentucky, but your mental health. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. It's for, it's twofold. It's for my own personal gain as a person. I can sleep better tonight. And then also for my, this my lineup. value is entirely dependent on Antonio Reeves <laughs> going back to Kentucky. Tell me you love what you do without telling me you love what you do. I would cry on that microphone, man, during episodes. <laughs> but Antonio Reeves coming coming back, I think is interesting. It's exciting, obviously, because you get an extra part of this rotation. But when you look at that rotation, it's going to be very fascinating to see how John Calipari wants to play this out whenever the season actually comes around. So Kentucky's playing in the Global Jam. It's an event in Canada here in about 10 days. They're going to be playing against like the national Canadian team. I think they're playing Germany, Africa. And it's going to really give us an idea as to how not these players necessarily fit. I was like, well, this guy's definitely a shooting guard. This guy's definitely a small forward. Like, we're going to get to see them play at their positions. But it's going to be how they operate whenever they are given certain roles within certain sets. And Reeves is going to be a guy that I'm going to be focused on because there is a lot of discussion as to whether or not this guy is your shooting guard as your starter. He's your your starter at small forward, which apparently 24-7 sports... I believe thinks he is. I think that's just wrong. Objectively, I think that's just wrong because of how poor he was on defense. You're not putting him at the three at six five. I'm sorry. Or does he play a little bit of point for you as well if you want to be weird with it like you were last year whenever you were injury depleted? So mm-hmm. Reeves, I think, is going to be a fascinating player to watch for this team on the court. But then you look at what he gives you off the court. It's another guy in this locker room that understands what he's doing and understands college basketball. A veteran exactly. in a locker room that needs it. John Calipari actually spoke to the media for the first time in a while just a few days ago, and he noted something about Reeves about how it, he doesn't look lost. He doesn't look like he's still trying to figure things out. He's going to his spots, he's talking to guys, and he's starting to be more of a communicator than he was last season. I think I talked about this to you guys on this show, and I talk about it a lot on, on my podcast Reeves not being the leader that Kentucky or a leader for Kentucky last year was bad and it it brings some concerns for what he could be this year it doesn't matter if he's got five years under his belt if he doesn't stinking show it out there (laughs) and displays it for other people to follow and it's very very good to hear Calipari saying that about Reeves and throughout practice I think that we've seen and heard things that reflect that. By the way the blurb that ESPN has to go with Kentucky's ranking is just another example, if somehow this doesn't turn out to be a really good deep tournament run Kentucky team, right or wrong, because they're so young, people are going to be all over Cal for this. Yes, because they will. Two of the top four in ESPN's 2024 mock draft are in the starting lineup. Five of the top 40. And people are going to look at that after the year. If Kentucky has... Four or five first-round picks on a team that doesn't get past the round of 32. I mean, at what point do they finally pick up the torches and pitchforks and storm uh, Cal's house? Uh, a conversation that nice will, will happen. That conversation will happen until that day actually comes. And before yeah. we get to break, I want to read the projected starting lineup before we come back and talk about Auburn really quick. DJ Wagner. 
Antonio Reeves, Justin Edwards, Trey Mitchell, and then help me pronounce this one, Lance. You got on Yenzo. Thank you. That is the center that they have listed for Kentucky. Two of those five players are four of the best players in all of high school basketball that are coming in in and mm-hmm. in, in recruiting uh two really good transfers so i think kentucky they've got the talent that's never a question it's whether cal can put it together and kentucky can make a run in march three three four three two one thirteen ninety we'll tell you how ridiculous it is that auburn's not in this top 25 the way too early top 25 when we come back as we wrap up hour number one you are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. All right, wrapping up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, talking the way too early top 25 for college basketball. We have Lance Dolph locked on Kentucky and Auburn Daily in the studio with us. Uh, we just talked a little Kentucky. We got a few minutes. Want to round out the top 25 and then tell you pretty much why ESPN's wrong in this ranking with Auburn not being in the top 25. You have the Miami Hurricanes at 18, A&M low. at 19. They're too low. <laughs> Baylor at 20. Too high? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, USC at 21, and we were actually just talking about that during the break, uh, highlighted by uh, Isaiah Collier, the number one overall prospect in the ESPN 100, running the point, and Bronny James. Bronny James is going to be the fourth best player on his team. Interesting. Interesting. I've I've said for years that Bryce, his younger brother, is going to be better than he is. Yeah, because Bryce got all the like genetics of being enormous, mm-hmm. and Bronny's just like six three, and he can still shoot. And I think that's why I think Bryce is going to be better than Bronny. Bryce but, is going to be like seven feet tall, but he's still like fifteen. Yeah, I know. He will be fifteen in my mind until he's twenty. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I forgot to make this note about ESPN's current starting lineup for Kentucky. If I'm not mistaken. Aaron Bradshaw is not in this lineup, and Bradshaw was the number five player in the country, according to 24-7 Sports, and he's likely going to be your starting four or your starting five. Good Lord. We get it. You you, you (laughs) land so many players. We know Cal gets talent, okay? We know. Round 32 has never looked so good, guys. True, (laughs) true. To round out the top 25, Alabama at 22. Too high. St. Mary's at 23. Texas, 24. And Colorado at 25. I think Texas is going to be sneaky kind of nasty again this year. I think they will, too. They return. Look at the point totals they return on there. They bring in, they bring in two really good Atlas transfers. Was was one of the most talked about transfers from Oral Roberts going into Texas. I think that's going to be a great addition. I think they're going to be pretty good. When you look at the next in line. Colorado, I mean, okay. Yeah, I, I whatever. Pac-12 basketball, whatever. When you look at next in line, Wisconsin 26, Florida 27, St. John's 28, Auburn at 29, and then Kansas State at 30. Guys, I cannot get over the fact that everybody keeps sleeping on the talent that Bruce yes. Pearl has brought into this Auburn team. Yeah, th- this Auburn team is going to be really good. I think that this Auburn team, Lance, you may not be on board with this. Auburn's winning the ACC. Gonna, Auburn's, Auburn's okay. winning the, the SEC at a minimum. They're finishing top two uh, because I think that this this team, the chemistry, the scoring you brought in, the shooting, the length, the athleticism uh, with Janai Broom going to NBA draft combines and figuring out, oh, like I'm kind of one of the best big men in the country uh, and having – because I think there were moments last year where it was a little bit of – He's a little unsure of himself at times mm-hmm. going from 
Moorhead State to Auburn. This Auburn team is going to be great. I think they're going to be great, and they're getting slept on. Uh, also, I want to say this before I cede my uh, my time here to y'all. Wisconsin and Florida, don't those just feel like they're going to be like the same in their yes. conference? They're yeah. going to be just the, just like, they're okay. They're pretty good. Do you remember when Wisconsin and Florida matched up in the NCAA tournament a few years ago? And I was like, this is the most perfect matchup. Yeah, it just, like it just the fits. same thing. Yeah. It just, and balanced like all things should be right well they like just seeing them next to each other with knowing what i watched last year and how i think those teams are going to look this next year i think they're going to look the exact same i'm with going to be they're going to be in that perpetual like 26 27 spot from wire to wire i'm with you on that and i'm also with you on auburn and the fact that the talent on this team is unbelievable and i do want to say it's going to take a little bit of time it is there is so much talent there is such a step up in talent from last year to this year and you're bringing in guys from everywhere and filling in just about every position with a new person outside of Janai Broom and possibly Jalen Williams you are going to have some I don't want to say growing pains because a lot of these guys are already experienced and have played college basketball you're just going to have some some meshing pains right you're going to have some some adjusting and just figuring it out a little bit for this Auburn team but once they do and once they figure out what rotations are what and who they want to put where and how many minutes each person wants to play and needs to play and who's going to be doing what role this team is going to be really really good Lance yeah and I think that I I like the the confidence of the pick to win the SEC top two minimum I think they're a top four team in the SEC right now I want to see this team play, though. That's, a, that's what you're talking about, getting this chemistry. On paper, it's a solid team, but I want to see the transition from what has been the norm for the past couple of years for Auburn, which is poor three-point shooting and not a lot of pace compared to prior Bruce Pearl teams. I want to see this team get out, get out and run and shoot it. And right. if they do that, that's a really, really good team. Hot take before we hit the break. Marquette's a top-five team. Woo-hoo. Where are they? I don't hate it. They're, they're 10. They're 10. Marquette's they're got low. a lot of talent, they're too man. low, and they bring them all mm. back. Big East basketball. You know, I, you know I'll always get on a Big East take here on the show. Hour number one's in the books. We'll talk Auburn football recruiting and schedule game coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. On the line, live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Carter Bird. We're joined by Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily in studio all show long. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast right after the show today. You can find it one of two ways, ESPNAU.com or just search On the Line wherever you get 
get your podcast. We talk some Auburn football as they landed a commit over uh, the 4th of July weekend. It was on the 4th of July, actually. And so we'll talk some more about that coming up here in hour number two. Then also went over the way too early top 25 for college basketball. ESPN updated that today. And we talked about why Auburn is still being slept on in college basketball. So if you missed that, go and catch up later today. ESPNAU.com, commercial free, wherever you get your podcast as well. Coming up here in hour number two, as I mentioned, we'll talk some Auburn football again as Auburn picks up another commit for the 2024 class. Also got to get to question of the day, guys. We got to talk about the best and worst things we saw in sports from over the weekend, an extended sports weekend. So we'll talk about that. Plus, it is uh, Lance is in studio, so we are doing schedule game. It continues. Uh, we are going through every SEC football team, going through their 2023 schedule, and giving our picks and predictions, hot takes as well. And so today is Vanderbilt and Texas A&M. So excited to get to that coming up at 3:30. But until then, phone lines are open 334-321-1390. Auburn yesterday, Auburn football picks up yet again another commit. This time on Independence. Independence Day on the 4th of July. D'Angelo Barber, DJ Barber, the linebacker, three-star pretty much everywhere, uh, four-star in one ranking, uh, but the linebacker from Clay Chalkville High School, he commits to play for Auburn in 2024. Another in-state commit for Hugh Freeze and the Tigers. It's a it's a big one, and like we mentioned in the in the uh, beginning of the show, it, 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 you have to really look at what's going on here past his three star ranking. You have to look at first of all what Auburn has done with players like this in the past, and then you also have to look at his offer list, which included eight SEC teams, one of which Alabama. And I, I think that you have to start to hype yourself up, not because you you necessarily have to try and convince yourself, oh, the three-star is going to be a good player, but he's going to be a good player. I mean, there were several schools that are very respectable and have had solid linebacking units in the past go after this kid. Also, Oklahoma, like we mentioned earlier in the show, also included in this list. The Tigers picked up a, a solid recruit. And Stars, I understand some people may as out there say, oh, Stars don't mean anything. They do normally mean something, but when when it comes to guys like this, it's clear that maybe the ranking is not truly, if, if the right word here is indicative of, of what he's capable of. So. And I think something we mentioned too is is he has the potential and we think he might gain that fourth star, right? Yes. And then that gets you into, Carter, you talk about this a lot, that oh, yeah. gets you into that blue chip ratio type of player where we know what the rankings say when you have blue chip ratio players on your roster. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I you look at just like Lance keeps talking about, the schools that were after him, Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Alabama, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Cincy, Oklahoma, Mississippi State, UCF, Louisville, Tulane, all offered him scholarships, even UAB, because, you know, Trent Dilfer is um, trying to make that, what, his quote is the second best team in the state of Alabama, and he (laughs) dares you to come try to pick people off his roster. I just wanted to get that in there because it was Wait, ridiculous thing. Dilfer thinks that he's the second best team in the he, state. He, he said that UAB's goal is to be the second best team in the state of Alabama. That's cute. Second best program. That's really adorable. They're currently at least fourth, fourth <laughs> maybe fifth. Because South Al's pretty good right now, and Troy's yeah. Troy's pretty up there too. Yeah, and I, I would love to see I would love to see UAB. You know, str- they're going to struggle to make a bowl game. I think this year. So. Hey, it's okay. He he landed uh, Auburn quarterback legend Adrian Posse. Oh, I forgot about that. Who I saw from, that. Who had the 
meteoric fall through the floor from five-star status to, like, middling three-star over the past year since his Auburn decommitment. See, a few years ago, I heard Bill Clark. I actually went to a a speech. It was actually at my parents' church. There was a guy's night, and Bill Clark, the former coach of UAB, came to speak, and he, he, he had a really good Christian speech and all this, and then at the end... He was sitting in a room of, of guys in Birmingham, Alabama. He knew what was up, right? He knew he had Auburn fans and he had Alabama fans. And basically at the end of this speech, he said, look, you know, we hope you support us. We'd love to see you at the games. We're not asking you to change your allegiance. We just want you to cheer for UAB too. And I thought that made sense. Yeah. I think that's the attitude Dilfer, you have to have. Dilfer has decided to try to poke the bear some. Um, Which I mean, credit to him, but he went good on, luck, bro. He went on Rick and Bubba and said, "Power Fives, I dare you to try to come poach my roster. I dare you to get my my players' DMs and try to get them in the transfer portal." Because he, because then he threatened, "I'll go on game day and I'll call you out by name." My brother, who wants your players? You went seven and six last year. Who wants yeah. them? Who yeah. wants them? Shut up. Well, they obviously want they obviously want some players and they wanted DJ Barber and he decided to come to Auburn. And so uh, Auburn picks up yet again another recruit in 2024. Uh, no linebackers were signed out of high school in 2023 for Auburn. They already have, we think, is going to be two and the potential to get three or even four. Mm-hmm. And when asked about uh, the players and what he wants to do for Auburn, B, uh, DJ Barber, he said... I quote, I'm going to try and help them lock in Demarcus Riddick. And I think that is a oh, yeah. huge factor here. Um, we, we've talked in the past about the other guys who were committed to Auburn that have been basically another recruiter on the staff because they reach out to guys like, like Walker White who just reach out to anybody that'll answer the phone or read a tweet. And it seems like DJ Barber, maybe not that crazy, but will be a guy who is going to try to actively recruit until he steps on campus and then rolls in classes here. Yeah, I'm, look, this it's encouraging to see a guy like DJ Barber is clearly not worried about competition because he's saying, hey, we've got Joseph Phillips here who could play linebacker. I want to go get the number one linebacker in the state, five-star guy. I want to go get him on board, the the Georgia commit, uh, Bradley Shaw. I, I want to bring him on board. I want to I want to talk to him as well. Uh, I mean, he's not shying away from bringing in talented players to play with him. I mean, Wyatt Simmons. He mentions him as well. He wants to have a talented group around him. He wants to make this a complete roster, a complete class, a complete team. And I love guys with that mentality. And I think that they're. In the, this current age, it's rare to find guys with that mentality that are just like, you know what, hey, competition is going to make me better. I, I want to bring in talented guys around me. I want to be good. I want to compete for championships. In a increasingly kind of self-centered world around the athlete with NIL, with how much money can I make, uh, where can I go play? How do I get to the league? It's encouraging to see a kid like this that is, hey, I want I want to bring in these guys with me, and I want us to be great together as a team, as a unit. I'm glad you bring that up 
because that's a that's a transition into something I wanted to hit on really really quick. Did you see what Quinn Ewers is doing at Texas? Did I you did. guys see this? He is hosting Quinn Ewers, quarterback at Texas, is hosting a meet and greet for fans on July 22nd. Why, Listen to this. Why July 22nd? Is it like his birthday or something? Like what? Like why specifically that day? Like why not? I don't is know. it just a random Saturday? Probably. I I, as far as I know, you can buy tickets if you're a Texas fan and you want to go meet your quarterback, Quinn Ewers. Tickets for a, quote, an evening with Quinn Ewers cost for a VIP ticket $2,312. Adults can get in and meet him for $283. And if you're a kid, don't worry. They lowered the price. You can get in for $38. The proceeds will, however, benefit the nonprofit Merging Vets and Players Foundation. My guy thinks he's Michael Rubin throwing those birthday parties where did did you see those videos over the weekend? I did. Where mm. just like literally any celebrity on earth was there. Killian Mbappe was there. It was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I just saw that, half actually. the NBA was there. I mean, it was insane. But I saw Quinn that on Ewers thinks like five minutes ago. Yeah, Quinn, Quinn Ewers thinks he's he's him. Apparently, well, I retweeted this and I said credit to him for taking full advantage of NIL because obviously you can do this now. It's just crazy to see how fast it's gotten out of hand. Good thing about this specific example is that it's going to charity. But I said don't expect them all to be like that. Yeah, and I think. Uh, if you're Quinn Ewers, I'm trying to put myself uh, in his shoes in a sense of like, why is it all so expensive? Why wouldn't you just give people the opportunity to like, here's a set amount that you have to pay that's a really low price for a ticket, but you can donate if you're feeling feeling charitable to what, uh, however much you want to add on to your <laughs> ticket. Like, but what he, maybe what he's doing, he's trying to weed out and get the rich folk in there, see if he can get some more NIL deals going. They're out just of this random, but like, the random number backfires, and he's got like five six people, people at his meet and greet. Like, the pictures will go viral. Yeah. Well, then he's got like what ten thousand dollars worth of of tickets going to charity, and he's probably met a couple different people that can slide him some NIL deals. I so. want yeah. this meet and greet to look like a Kansas football home game before Lance Leipold. Or, That's what I want it to or be. a current Oakland Athletics game. I want Ooh. it to be. I want it to look like when Kansas beat Texas and rushed the field, and there were like twelve people on the Jayhawk lo- logo. Or as an Auburn fan would say, you want it to look like Bryant Denny Stadium in the second half. Ooh. Hey, oh, wait. Well, that's because they're winning. Uh, by by the, so much. This is so random. I had no True. idea Posse had dropped so low in the rankings. He was forty fourth nationally. Uh, on March 8th, 2022, right now, as it stands, he is currently not even ranked on rivals inside their top, like, whatever. What is it? 300? 300? Okay, I was going to say well, 150. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm sure it goes it goes lo- uh, farther than that. Oh, yeah. According to 24-7 Sports, he is the 1,098th best player, according to 24, the 24-7 Sports composite rankings. It's generally not great when you fall 1,050 spots in a ranking. But don't you dare come after UAB's quarterback. Yeah, don't you dare. He committed to Auburn (laughs) on July 30th. Rivals has a set 250. I don't know if they have anything past that. Okay. He he unofficially visited Auburn four times after he committed, decommitted in January, committed to um, the Blazers here uh, just a week or so ago. Wait, he decommitted January of this year? Yes. Wow. 
I I a if you don't I would I would have thought he decommitted in October. <laughs> According to twenty four seven, and it feels like it was that far well, long ago. But yeah, Posse. I haven't thought about him in over a year, so that's how much that his decommitment made an impact on me. Zam, um, yeah, this is um, just a a really weird situation with the Blazers, and <laughs> it is well. On the other note, before we get to break, Auburn does pick up another commit. DJ yep. Barber, linebacker from Clay Chalkville. He's talking about the guys he wants to bring in, the big name being Demarcus Riddick. You get a guy who's going to come in in the linebacker room. You sign another linebacker in high school that you didn't do last year. I'm excited to see what he does. I think he can pick up that fourth star, and that's really what will get Auburn fans excited. And we'll see what he can do in a linebacker room that is going to only get better, better, and better. Let's take our first break here in hour number one. When we come back, question of the day. Best and worst things we saw in sports from over the long 4th of July weekend. We'll talk about that on the other side here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We have Lance Dahl in studio of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Dela. We usually do this on Mondays, but uh, we weren't here on Monday or Tuesday. And so we're here on Wednesday after a long 4th of July weekend. So much happened in the world of sports, guys. Uh, Question of the day. Best and worst things that we saw in sports from over the weekend. And I would really like to start, if that's okay. I would love to start. Go for it. The... Hot dog eating contest that happens every single year on the 4th of July. The greatest athlete known to man. His name is Joey Chestnut. And the greatest tradition ever. I thought it was Secretariat. Nope. Secretariat (laughs) wishes they were Joey Chestnut. Okay. The one of the greatest traditions, one of the most American things that ever happens in this country every Fourth of July is the hot dog eating contest, the lemonade chugging contest, all that stuff that happens. Right? You all watch it. It's on ESPN. Wait, there's a lemonade chugging. Yeah, you never seen that? They chug a gallon of lemonade. Sorry, I was distracted by the softest thing of all time and a two-hour weather delay to eat hot dogs. Well, that's where I'm getting to. (laughs) They tried to cancel this event, okay? They tried... They announced that it was canceled because you can't eat hot dogs in the rain? Okay. Joey Chestnut came out and said, no. He got everybody together and said, we're doing this thing. And... They did it. They got everybody together, and of course, he went out and he dominated everybody like he always does for his 16th title in the hot dog eating contest once again. And so, Joey Chestnut, you were the best thing I saw in sports this weekend. Uh, so, shout out to the actually the the ABC affiliate in New York that broke the news that it was canceled 35 before minutes before everybody, and everybody just like ignored it. That local reporter better got a raise. Yeah, That's all I'm he saying. was all over it, and then. Also, shout out ESPN2 for just refusing to acknowledge that it was reported everywhere that it was canceled and it just continued to say like weather delay when they were on SportsCenter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I My theory was they, they did that initially because their ESPYs preview content had never had more viewers than it did if as long as they kept saying it was on a weather delay and didn't give any details. <laughs> um, but Joey Chestnut got him back out there. Uh, they did it. Rallied the troops. This is why we need domes in sports. Yep. Um, and also, kind of underwhelming, which I get it. Like, circumstances weren't in his favor. What do you mean it was over or underwhelming? He he ate 62, man. 
Sho- Shohei Atani would eat in 63. <laughs> <laughs> False. <Boom. laughs> False. Arrest my case. You're telling me 62 hot dogs is underwhelming? Yeah, when his record's 76, and he said he was going for the record. I don't care. His over-under was 72 and a half. Well, for 30 minutes, we didn't think it was going to happen. For and, two hours. But and yes. then he rallied the troops, and he said, I'm Joey Chestnut. I make the rules. LeBron yes, James, step out yes. of the way. I run this thing. And Joey Chestnut made it happen, and he won by however many a lot, as he always does. The glizzy yes. gladiator himself. <laughs> I think my theory on the reporter uh, getting that like half an hour before, it actually wasn't canceled, and he was just like, man, I don't want to be here. So he decided <laughs> to put this story out. He's like, I- I'm done. I- I'm out. And so... The news eventually picked up, and that's what started to happen. But again, Glizzy Gladiator, uh, shut that stuff Yeah, down. Joey Chestnut, greatest athlete to ever be born. That's the best thing I saw in sports over the weekend. What do you guys got? All right, uh, I'll start with best thing I saw. David Bedner, the closer for the Pirates. Uh, Clayton Kershaw was named to the All-Star team, but then went on the IL, and the Pirates were playing the Dodgers, I think, yesterday. And before the game... Uh, David Bedner took a small cooler full of icy lights, the the Pittsburgh-based light beer, and uh, put it in the Dodgers dugout with a note that says, a note to Clayton Kershaw um, saying, hey, here's some of Pittsburgh's finest beer, and thank you, and signed his name. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, <it's nice. laughs> I think that's that is cool. cool. It it's is cool. It's pretty sweet. My thing that happened over the weekend, if we're counting Friday as part of the weekend, sure. June 30th, the Atlanta Braves just absolutely shelling the Miami Marlins 16-4. to And I've got a number here for you. If you guys have not talked about this already, the Braves finished June with, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 61 home runs, correct? With yes. a team batting average of over 300. Yes. They are now the only team... Apparently, according to uh, the the Braves radio broadcast, if I y'all can correct me if I've gotten this incorrect, they are the only team in MLB history to win 20 games in the month of June with at least 55 homers and keep it, while keeping a batting average of 300 or better. Yeah, How about that. The uh, just to make it a little sweeter for Braves fans out there, the Mets did not win a series in the month of June. Just we're going to put that out there again. That's probably, <laughs> and I talked about the Mets, I think, last time, and I'm going to run with that, too. That is the worst thing I saw. Not because for the Braves fans, but that is really bad for the Mets, man. They are spending so much money on that team, and they're losing, and they're Steve bad. Cohen's I would quit. do better with that money, y'all. Steve Cohen's going to quit. <laughs> Steve Cohen's going to quit. He's going to quit. He's, he's going to quit from being the owner, which is just not a thing. You, you should, He's going to sell the team. He's going to sell the team before the A's guy Sells the uh, team, despite what the entire fan base wants. Hmm. Worst thing I saw, Mike Trout breaking his handmade bone. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, begs the question, do the Angels trade Shohei Otani? Now, see, that's been a big debate. And what do you think? I think they should, because they they aren't going to compete for a World Series. Mike Trout, as somebody who's had this exact injury, I have the scar on my my wrist to prove it from when I I had surgery. Mike Trout will not be the same hitting for the rest of the year. The rest of the year. He could be he can go back to being a plus fielder and and uh above average speed guy on the base paths, but he will not be the same hitting the baseball for the rest of the year. And keep in mind, he's having a little bit of a down year. He's hitting in the, I think the 270s, 280s and he's he's on pace. He was on pace last week, I think for 
185 strikeouts, which is going to be by far the most in his career, I believe. It's mm. ridiculous, Man. dude. The thing about the Angels, they're just one of those teams that it when it when you look at them and you look at what they've done and the talent they've had, they're just not in they don't care about winning a World Series. They're obviously not worried about it. They have two of the best players in baseball and they still have a losing record and they still are a laughing stock when it comes to Major League Baseball. I think if you're the Angels, you should trade Shohei Otani. You can get an entire franchise for him if you really wanted to. If you had the right deal makers, you could trade for a whole franchise for him because he's that good. I understand that there are a lot of mocks out there that may say, oh, well, the Dodgers or the Mets because they could throw out money or whatever. There's a a lot of talk right now about how realistically the Braves could probably put something, something together for him. And if they get Otani... I don't, you don't even want to know what this Braves team could possibly do. But then that brings the question, and we'll have Lindsey Crosby on the show tomorrow to talk a lot of Braves baseball. It brings in the question, does it make sense for the Braves to trade for Otani? I know who he is, and I know how good he is. How much do you have to give up to get him? You would have to give up so much, man. And And, that's the thing. And you'd have to be willing to pay him so much money. If you're the Braves, you're saying, we want to win right now absolutely right now and don't care anything about the future i'm a hot take i think they're gonna have to give up at least two dollars to get him two dollars that's, that's a bold that's prediction lance doll that is a bold prediction yeah, only and the, only the best on the show <laughs> well you look at otani because espn put an article out what's the, what's the worst thing that lance saw before we hit this break oh yeah we are about to go to get break what's the worst thing you saw on sports this weekend this is pretty bland but i think the worst thing i saw was looking at my phone and realizing we still had eight saturdays until college football or auburn football SEC football uh, started back, and we're not counting the Vanderbilt-Hawaii game. We're we're not doing that. Tell that to him. Tell that to him because he tried to hype it up last year like it was going to be a close game, and I I told him going in Vanderbilt was going to win by 50. I think they won by 60. Listen, I would have been on the the same boat, in the same boat as you, Jacob, heading into this year, but after seeing what happened last year, I'm just like, it's college football. Like, I'm excited about that, but are, are we really back are we really back? I'm not a, look, I'm not as excited about the Vanderbilt Hawaii game this year as I was last year, but that will be Vanderbilt's first win and oh, yeah. it feeds into what a great transition, <laughs> boys. It will feed into the conversation coming Beautiful. up in just a second. We're going to have schedule game coming up talking about that Vanderbilt team in 2023 and talking about Texas A&M in 2023. Two very interesting teams that could have good years or could have really bad years. So that's what's coming up uh, in just a few minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line Schedule Game with Lance Dodd. Locked on Kentucky and Auburn Daily. Uh, so excited to uh, to talk about that really quick before we get to the break. Otani's averages and where they ranked in the, in Major League Baseball for the month of June. His batting average was eighth. His on base percentage was eighth. His slugging percentage was fifth. Total bases tied for fifth. Okay, that's the hitting numbers. Then you get down to oh, they had pitching numbers on here somewhere. They wrote a re- ESPN wrote a really good article about this. Um, he had uh, his hitting numbers were unbelievable, and then they had the pitching numbers on here, and I lost them. Basically, the article's talking about did Otani have the best month ever of baseball? Mm. The yeah. title says, "Did Shohei Otani just have the best month in MLB history?" Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. Oh, I'm going to get this in before the break. Other worst thing I saw over the weekend, MLB Network had a segment where they asked the question, if Luis Arias hits 400 this year, is he an auto-lock for the Hall of Fame? Oh, God. What? What? 
Oh, I hate Hall of Fame conversations. There's so, Hall of Fame in any sport. Hall of Fames in any sport are worthless. Not worthless. They're really, really watered down at this point. Yeah. Can we all agree? Good. We'll talk schedule game. Vanderbilt, Texas A&M when we come back. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Back inside the studio at ESPN 106.7 for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. The conversations that happen during the breaks are just dumb at sometimes, but that's okay. It happens. We're talking schedule game. It's time for schedule game with Lance Dahl in studio of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily. Pretty much this from is now, our favorite, our favorite thing. It really is. It, it, it is a lot of fun. It's and pretty it's much only going to get better because we're going to get to some schools where there's going to be some just. Mean, mean thing said. <laughs> Probably. And today could be one of those days as we talk Vanderbilt and Texas A&M today in the schedule game. We started this last week and I've got our I've got our Google Doc pulled up, gentlemen, uh, talking about every SEC football school and their schedule in 2023, going through, making our picks, predictions, giving some thoughts on all these teams. We picked Missouri and South Carolina last week. We will do this pretty much all throughout the summer as we get into college football season 59 days away from Auburn football uh, to be exact on September 2nd today is Vanderbilt and Texas A&M so excited to jump into this let's start with Vanderbilt gentlemen we'll start with the Commodores and you look at this schedule the last year of being in the SEC East they start off with two games that they should win then they take a decent Two decent road games, I think, uh, before coming home and they start to hit the SEC schedule and hit the ground running. Before we look at the schedule itself, really quick, Vanderbilt coming off of a year, yes, they were 5-7, and but they built a lot of momentum in Nashville, I think, with Vanderbilt. And I, I really do think they could do something. They could make a little bit of noise. Not a whole lot, but just a little bit in the SEC East. And just maybe win a game or two that they're really not supposed to. I don't think the world would even be prepared for like an 8-4 and four Vanderbilt. I okay. don't know what we would do in that situation. Oh, it would look I... really weird. <laughs> I think I may have said something like that the other day. About how we're just not ready for it? Yeah, well, just like... The economy would collapse. Like, we <laughs> eight would and just... four is not happening on this SEC schedule. East I'm just champion Vanderbilt. Jacob, I'm not saying it. Oh. I, I agree with you. I don't think it, I don't think it will. If it does happen, what is the reaction? Have you ever seen Talladega Nights and Ricky Bobby when he's speaking into the microphone? I don't know what to do with my hands. That's it. I don't know what to do if Vanderbilt goes 8-4. and four. I'm pretty sure. 8-4 and four is so ambitious. <laughs> pretty sure there's going to be a few cubicles in the SEC office in Birmingham that are just going to spontaneously catch on fire. <laughs> what is going on? The bad part is it would happen and nobody would even notice it. Vanderbilt would go 8-4 and four and they'd be like, we're in a decent bowl and be like, oh look, because, Vanderbilt's 8-4. and Because they would beat teams that just don't are, are just not relevant and they'd have like one upset that people would kind of remember. Like, oh my goodness, you went and beat South Carolina like third to last week of the, the season? Like, okay, cool. Right. Right. Well, let's look at this Vanderbilt schedule a little bit because, again, they did build some momentum. They have some confidence there at Vanderbilt this year coming in uh, with another year Remember, under Clark Lee. Clark Lee believes that Vanderbilt can be the number one program in the country. Trust. He believes it. And look, at Vanderbilt, 
you got to have some positive mentality if you're going to be coaching that's, at Vanderbilt. That's Trent Dilfer on steroids yeah, right there. Yeah, it really is. Well, you look at the schedule for Vanderbilt starting on August 26th. They start a week before everybody else because they're playing the back end of the home and home with Hawaii. That's right. And Vanderbilt will win that game. Can we all agree that Vanderbilt's going to win this game? Yeah, you said earlier that they should win these first two games. I'm like, they're going to dominate these first two games. What are we talking? They might win by 100 points combined in the two games. (laughs) If they do that, can we please see some AP voter like throwing it like a couple just toss in votes that week heading into like September 9th and week three they'll be two and oh (laughs) there's always that that one guy that votes for uh Vanderbilt in weird spots and says Vanderbilt should should win the SEC East or something yeah Yeah, there's always one votes Vanderbilt too (laughs) (laughs) well they start with Hawaii then they have Alabama A&M both of those at home I think we can all agree they will start two and oh then they go and take an interesting road trip to the ACC at Wake Forest taken on the Demon Deacons. What do we think Vanderbilt about Vanderbilt? Wins. Vanderbilt wins. And this is Vanderbilt a, is winning this. You game. like Vanderbilt on Vanderbilt the road at Wake this. Forest? This is a depleted Wake who Forest we, team. Who is to... on this Wake Forest team? Sam Hartman's not walking through that door, which is fair. But can you trust Vanderbilt on the road at all? Besides Hawaii, I hmm. mean, hang on. Let's 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 go take a look at this because last year they went on the road to Kentucky and won. Which they can go fair. on the road and beat that Kentucky team last year. They can go on the road and beat this Wake but Forest team. The, the thing, I, I think two things really factored, factored into that heavily, and it was, it was quarterback injuries, and it was also the, the climate. It was very like rainy, snowy, kind of like a lot of sleet on the field that day. It kind of allowed Vanderbilt to make it an ugly game. Don't you then, dare take that win away, away from but, Vanderbilt. But what I'm, I'm, I'm not, absolutely not. But what I'm saying <laughs> is like, this is going to be a very different scenario, and a, oh, I think 100%. A, a very different offense that they're going to be approaching now. I completely agree with you. The talent roster is probably very comparable to Kentucky's, and at the same time, Sam Hartman is gone. I need to go pull it up. No, I, I mean, I, I think Kentucky's a much more talented roster than Wake is. But wait, wait, if you if you played Kentucky and Wake on like with Sam Hartman last season, okay, I think that they would have been very. I think it would have been pretty pretty even. Yeah. Well, for sake It'll of argument, close. I like Vanderbilt on the road at Wake. I was just trying yeah, to. Okay. I was trying to push back a little bit. I like Vanderbilt on the road at Wake Forest. We're believe t- it or not, we're talking too much about Wake Forest football today. I think it's a win. Let's move <laughs> on. <laughs> then they go on the road at UNLV. Dub. I like that win too. Four yep. and O Vanderbilt hitting the over on the win total. Before, before September's get, over. Before we get to the first SEC game, the last, the second to last weekend. <laughs> In September. And I love it. And I feel really, really good about Vanderbilt starting 4-0. Then they come home and they take on that Kentucky Wildcats team. Lance? Devin Leary's better than Will Levis as a college quarterback, guys. Can we can we collectively agree on yes. that? Yes. Can we agree that that uh, Liam Cohen is a better offensive coordinator than Rich Gangarello, the OC, last year? Yeah. Can we also agree that Kentucky, if we're talking about talent here, up and down the roster probably has a better better talent roster than Vanderbilt does. An mm-hmm. offensive line too. I mean, Kentucky it, right? could still lose this game, <laughs> but they won't. <laughs> they could still lose this game. I think Kentucky will win. I'm picking the UK to. to I'm the taking the loss. Cats. I've got Kentucky winning this one as well. I so, was really hoping you would say Vanderbilt so we could have five and zero Vanderbilt before. <laughs> not happening. <laughs> hang on, hang on. If so you then, had six and zero Vanderbilt, is so possible. <laughs> by the way, it is possible because you play that Kentucky team. Seven and zero Vanderbilt is very possible. Okay, well, <laughs> Florida. That's on. a tall task because after Kentucky, Missouri Ooh. comes to Nashville. I think Vanderbilt beats Missouri at home. They're I like Vanderbilt. Yeah, I, I, Drinkwitz I is getting fired. 
No, no, Vanderbilt's winning this game. I agree. I like Vanderbilt before. Then they go on the road to what Carter thinks is going to be a very bad Florida team, but it doesn't matter. You're still on the road in Gainesville. Get me the stat. When's the last time Vanderbilt won in Gainesville? Oh, gosh. That's because I don't God. know. It. While, he, while he pulls it up, I've got a, a, just a commentary on this matchup. I don't think we're talking about what the world isn't ready for. The combination of Graham Mertz and Vanderbilt football are two things that I think that the world needs to see. You remember UConn, you remember UConn Vanderbilt? You remember that matchup? You need Graham Mertz and you need Vanderbilt football at the same time. We are going to talk about this tomorrow. We, we've already kind of uh, marked it down. SEC Mike on Twitter released his quarterback rankings. Mm-hmm. Graham Mertz, 14th, baby. Let's go. Yep, that's, uh, that's last good. time Vanderbilt won in Gainesville was 2013. Time before that, oh boy. That, <laughs> Vanderbilt, oh boy. that Vanderbilt team was a top 25 team, let it be known. Yeah. Their other win in Gainesville, keyword other, which means it's only happened twice, <laughs> was in their first ever meeting in 1945. No. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. They won 7 to nothing in 45 and then did not win in Gainesville. Until 2013. They, they tied in Gainesville 6-6 six to six in 58. Wow. Okay. So, question to you gentlemen. Does it happen for the third time in program history for Vanderbilt on the road in Gainesville? Do they beat Florida on October 7th? Yes. <laughs> I'm 6-1 oh, Vanderbilt, baby. I'm going to say 5-2 and two Vanderbilt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, hey. Carter. Thought you were about to is Kentucky gonna is Kentucky gonna beat up on Florida enough that they're licking their wounds at that point in time? At that point in time, when the juggernaut of Vanderbilt head, rolls in, in my head, Florida is two and three and has played games on the road at Utah against Tennessee and at Kentucky in those first five games. Wait, hang on, dude. That's brutal. Yo, that is brutal. Carter may have just talked me into Vanderbilt beating Florida on October seventh. Carter why? and. They have at South Carolina the week after. Carter, it's a sandwich game. By the way, you can't see it if you're if you're listening, but he just handed both Jacob and I a really big cup of Kool Aid, and I got. I'm not gonna lie, it actually tastes pretty good. I will <laughs> pa- I will take Vanderbilt to beat Florida. Fine. Let's go! I'm, Come on! I'm the, I've been the one hyping up Vanderbilt all this time, and now you guys are on the train. No, I'm no, gonna hop I told off. You Vanderbilt's gonna finish ahead of Ole Miss and Florida. <laughs> For the sake of argument, I'm gonna hop off and say Va- Vanderbilt comes up just short in Gainesville. And I'm going to take the Florida Gators to win that game. I have them at five. What is that? That'd be uh, five and two when they go into Georgia. Sounds no, scared, Carter. excuse me. Georgia scared. comes to Vanderbilt. My bad. Oh, my God. I just had the funniest thought of my life. Six and one Vanderbilt hosting Georgia college game day. <laughs> October 14th. Wait, we got to see. what. I, while oh we talk about this, I'm going to pull up ESPN. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going oh to pull no. up what else is happening that day. It's anything else, literally. I'm anything sure there's else. A, there's probably like a Big Ten game, including gotta Michigan be. or Penn State. Well, after that Florida game, we'll go ahead and blow through this one. Georgia's going to do what they do against Vanderbilt. The Commodores get a week off. Then they go on the road at Ole Miss. we got to kind of pick up the pace a little bit here, gentlemen. On the road at Ole Miss, Saturday, October 28th, final October, Saturday. Can Vanderbilt go to Von Hemingway and win this, and win this football game? Absolutely, they can win this game, according to Carter. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Um, I think they can. Do they? Mm. Let's do it. Come on. <laughs> Let's do it. You, oh, no. Here seven we go. and two Vanderbilt. 
You've got, by the way, you've got Texas A&M at Tennessee, Auburn at LSU that day. They, they will beat one of Florida or Ole Miss this year. UMass is playing Penn State. Okay, maybe, maybe. Hang on, boys, boys. It's not Arkansas. Auburn. Auburn at LSU is on that week. Ohio State's playing Purdue. A&M at Tennessee. Guys. Are you looking at the Vanderbilt-Georgia weekend on uh, October 14th? It'll be Oregon at Washington. It'll be that game. Yep. No and, doubt, and and that's and that's it. As it should be, <laughs> as yeah. it should be. Um, look, I like Vanderbilt, and I'm saying they lose to Florida, but I will give them the win at Ole Miss. I will. Okay. I'm going to give them the win against Ole Miss at Von Hemingway. The, the the dream of six and one Vanderbilt hosting number one Georgia for college game day and losing by sixty was gonna be so funny <laughs> what was it 2016 whenever they like beat somebody and they were about to play ba- alabama and, and, the, that, and that offensive like, line is like we, 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 we want bama and they lost by 50 yeah <laughs> it was like, i love the video that i've seen so many times on twitter where it cuts to jalen hurts and he's like theoret- theoretically they are next on our schedule and then it just shows the final score <laughs> <laughs> it's like 59 to zero yeah. <laughs> was that was that 2019 I think it was 16. I want to say it was a hot minute ago. Yeah, it's been it's been a few God, years. It might have been 2017. Might have been 2017. Does Vanderbilt beat Ole Miss, Lance? What do you uh, got? You, I'll say I'll say no. 2017, Vanderbilt had beaten Middle Tennessee on the road, Alabama A&M 42 nothing, and beat Kansas State 14 to seven. We're three and zero. And Alabama came to town and beat them 59 to nothing. Alabama was next. Yeah, they were. Okay, quickly, I think Auburn goes. To Nashville and wins that game. I, I'm very yep. confident yes. in Auburn winning that game on the road. I don't think Vanderbilt goes and beats South Carolina on the road. I'll take the Gamecocks against Vanderbilt. Agreed. I agree. And then at Tennessee, I'm taking the Vols as well. I yeah. agree. Okay, so what does that give us for Vanderbilt really quick before we get to break? 7-5 and five is what my mind has tricked me into saying, but it's going to be... Oh God, it's gonna be six and six. I'm Vanderbilt's going six and six. They're making a bowl game. It's happening. <laughs> Vanderbilt is going bowling in twenty twenty. I've got them seven and five. Y'all have, y'all have got them both at six and six. I think they go six and six. We'll take a break. We'll talk about Texas A and M, which could get interesting. We Actually, only have a few minutes. I think I think he's got them at seven and five too. Hang on, I'm counting. I, so I have them. Did losing you have to them Kentucky. beating Wake? Uh, yes, I have them losing to Kentucky. I have them losing to Georgia, Ole Miss, Auburn, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Yes, yeah, so six and six. Yeah, okay. I got them at I've six them and six as well. We'll talk about Texas A&M when Clark we come Lee. back. Let's go, baby. That's right. Vanderbilt on the up and coming. We'll talk about Texas A&M and wrap up the Wednesday edition of the show on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, plus wrapping up schedule game for the day. We just talked about Vanderbilt and how we all have them going to a bowl game, which is exciting and scary at the same time. Uh, Texas A&M, really quick, fellas. we got a few more minutes. Uh, before we do that, Lance, we appreciate you being in studio. Plug yeah. everything you have really quick uh, before we get through Texas A&M. Appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl, underscore the Locked On Kentucky podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe on YouTube, AuburnDaily.com is where you can find all of my written work. So, Texas A&M in 2023, they start out, uh, let me get, that's the 22 schedule, I hate when it does that. Give me one second, 23, okay, alright, here we go. La Monroe, win. For week one, that's a win. Yep. Wait, no, hang on, hang on, sorry, the- sorry. New, New Mexico, mm-hmm. week, week one, I was scrolled down too far. Week one, that's a win. Yes. Week yes. two, at Miami, two teams that have to get better, right? Yeah. Have to. I'm taking Miami. I'm, I'm taking, taking Miami as well. I'm taking A&M. 
Okay. Wow, okay. La Monroe, week three. That's a win. Yep. Yep. Sorry for uh, Mr. Belden. Um, Auburn in College Station. Mm. Auburn realistically, scrapes out a win. I'm going to go A&M realistically Auburn right now. Auburn scrapes out a win in that game. I like, yeah, I, I, I like Auburn scraping out in a win in this one as well. I just don't know if Auburn will be there yet. I'm going A&M. I don't know if Texas a and is going to be all the way there yet, which speaks, which, is to, fair. which speaks to how I feel about Miami. Arkansas in Arlington. Taking the Hawks. A&M. I'm taking A&M in that one. I'll take A&M as well. Alabama in College Station. Give me the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I'll take Bama. I'll take Alabama as well. Tennessee on the road. Give me the Vols, baby. Yes, Some, sir. Something inside me wants to pick A&M, but I'll go Tennessee. Uh, bye week, and then South Carolina at home in College Station. A&M. For the third win of the year, I'm get, taking Texas A&M. South Carolina, my friends. Ooh, okay, okay. At Ole Miss. What an ugly game. What an ugly game this is going to be. I'll, this is going to be two bad teams. I will take A&M. A&M by two scores. I'll take A&M. I don't like it, but I'll take them. Mississippi State at home in College Station. I'll take A&M. A&M. Take an A&M as well. Abilene Christian. A&M. A&M gets to a bowl game, but barely, boys. At <laughs> yeah. LSU. Uh, LSU. A&M's going 6-6. Six and six. I think I've got them 8-4. Yep. I've got them at... You've got them at what? 8-4. and four. They lose to Woo! Bama, Tennessee, I've got um, them at six and LSU, six. and Auburn. I have A&M going 6-6, six and six, losing that final game at LSU. Wow. I have them alternating wins and losses for the first six games, then losing a couple more in a row, then a three-game winning streak before losing to LSU. What an ugly schedule this is going to be for them, man. Mm. What an ugly schedule at Miami. Right, so the question is, if they go 6-6, six and six, at what point does Bobby Petrino try to have a mutiny? I think a six and six year in Texas A and M and Aggieland is going to go over as about as well as when John Calipari loses in the second round again. Mm. And yet, Cal st- well, Jimbo Fisher is the John Calipari of, of football, and John Calipari is the Jimbo Fisher of of basketball. Cal still has a job, so there's some people I've talked to recently that are very firm in their belief that Jimbo Fisher has at least two more years. But how? If it implodes, like if you lose, if you start the year, win against New Mexico, loss at Miami, win against La Monroe, and then reel off four straight losses, would you see him fired at the off week at two and four? Well, you got to think. Uh, they went six straight losses last year, and he survived. I well, feel yeah, like but the buyout was $90 million last year. It's 76 this year or something like that. I would normally say no, but I feel like there's a world where A&M does fire him before the end of the season, like if things go really, really bad, because you just make Bobby Petrino your head coach for a few weeks, and there's just nothing that can go wrong. The there. only way it would get better is if you, try, if you can win some games against South Carolina, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. Bob, and, and, Bobby and that's Petrino. the only way. Bobby Petrino would ask for his salary as head coach to be paid in motorcycles. <laughs> I just don't see where A and M. I do. I have them six and six. Does six Jimbo? Six does Jimbo get fired after six and six? I mean, just like straight up. I, I mean, I think he does, but but I've been told that that's not going to happen. I don't believe that. I think I think they'll they'll get emotional at that point in time, and they have money to burn. And I've been told they're not as rich as we think they are i don't believe that with what i've heard about how much money's sitting in the bank for their baseball program 
and they can't figure out how to spend it. Um, yeah, I think that six and six, Jimbo Fisher gets fired, and they get in a bidding war with Florida for Dan for Daniel Lanning. Interesting, because you look at 2024 and you bring up A and M's conference opponents. They have the the neutral site game against Arkansas. Ooh, They're at Auburn. That opener, baby. Yeah, at Auburn, at Florida, at Mississippi State, at South Carolina. You also have LSU and Texas coming to Aggieland. Don't forget about that opener and the Notre Dame opener for Texas A and M in twenty twenty four. This would not happen against many teams in the SEC, but in 2024, at the current pace that this A&M program is on, Notre Dame will dominate that game. Will dominate that game. What a bad way to start in 24 if A&M goes 6-6 six and six and Jimbo's okay. still the head coach. Week 3, 2024. Is it week 3? I think it's week 4, technically. It's which coach is still commanding their team? Jimbo Fisher mm. or Scott Leffler at Bowling Green? Mm. Oh, man. How about that question? How about Ooh. that question? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> We've officially been stumped. <laughs> this is a question. Is that, this... That, that is also, by the way, and I hate this so much, Scott Leffler with one T. Scott with one T. Scott with one T. Well, all this to say... A&M better have a good year and, and Auburn daily. We're out of time today. Come back tomorrow. We got some interesting conversations lined up for you. Two to four right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.